As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The prime thing is you have to win. You have to win. Otherwise, you can't be a success in professional football. You're listening to The State of the Nation with Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Tashawn Reed, and Ted Nguyen on the Athletic Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome to State of the Nation here on the Athletic Podcast Network. We are in Indianapolis. To my left, Tashawn Reed. To my right, Vic Tafer. I'm Jimmy Durkin. Our first in-person Together, recorded podcast uh, since that faithful uh, 2021 season opener. Uh, we, we have water in front of us today, so, so don't worry. We're, uh, there's a tear in Deshaun's eye. I think Deshaun's yeah. getting emotional over there. Yeah, man, this is, this is a beautiful moment. Like, there might still be some alcohol in my system, but it's not from today. No. Right. So, I mean, I do have a bottle of Bell Bead back up at the room. I'm just yeah. saying, I, I could have, I, I don't know if I could have got it through security here no. to, to get into to Radio not. Row. Uh, but here we are. We're, we're in Indy at the Combine. Uh, Ted Wynn, not here. Uh, he, I, I don't know which continent he's on right now, but uh, but, but <laughs> it's hard to keep track of Ted, but uh, it's all good. Uh, and, you know, we're, we're, we're looking ahead to what's going on with the Raiders. Um, the last couple of days, Josh McDaniels took to the podium, then had a, another little side scrum with you guys, and then Dave Ziegler uh, talked in a, in, a, in a setting with the beat riders. And, I mean, just kind of what's our biggest takeaway here? I mean, we know quarterback is going to be heavy on the brain for this team. Because it has to be. They don't have one. Yeah, I think, you know, the biggest thing is, you know, there's pretty much no way to come out of the draft without a quarterback at some point. It doesn't guarantee that it's going to be in the first round. But uh, day two, day three, they, they want to identify a prospect that they can develop and see if they can become – See if he can become their, their guy for the, for the future. Um, you know, and, and so I think that's something that we, we generally – anyway but with all the rumors that have been surrounding them whether it's you know Tom Brady and then Aaron Rodgers and Jimmy G um, you know it, it was pondered you know why are they going to make a move a big splash for a very expensive veteran that that sort of locks them in at that position but I mean you just you know you can read between the lines between what uh, McDaniel said and, and Ziegler and it's, it's pretty clear that they're they're angling towards drafting a quarterback at some point um, and so Obviously, that's the most important position in the game, um, and so that's the biggest takeaway so far. 
think mine is that there's, um, there's, I mean, they definitely want a quarterback, but there's no real urgency. I think there's no rush to get the guy in the first round. Like the Sean said, might be later in the draft. They might go for a stopgap guy like Stidham or, um, or Jacoby Brissett. Who knows? But to me, it's like there's not like a mandate to win this year. I think that Mark Davis is on board with like a, a build it the right way. Do you really yeah. want to tell the fans that there's no mandate to win? That's what, that's what I'm, I'm telling them like, like I see it. That's, what, that's my read is I like talking to both those guys yesterday that um, – Obviously, ideally, you get the right guy, you plug him in, and fireworks happen, the offense clicks, and you win games. But I just don't think there's um, – both were very relaxed, very calm, and kind of like, you know what, we want to fall in love with a guy this week at the combine. We want to get our guy. But if we don't, we'll get him uh, down the road, either later in the draft or you know, free agency or next year. So I think they want to attack the defense. They want to really build that up. And if they find their guy a quarterback, then that is definitely the ideal plan. But it's not uh, – it doesn't have to be right now. You know, and they're almost better positioned by being at number seven. Obviously, you always want to have as high a pick as possible if you to give yourself every option, including trading down to get more assets. But when you sit there at seven, you do not have to. If you if you're at one, you just know like we got to decide which of this quarter, these quarterbacks is the best, and we've got to take them. There's there's really no uh, debate about it. But at seven, I mean, they can go for the best defensive player and then get a guy like Hendon Hooker in the second round and, and bring in you know bring back Stidham. I mean, that to me might might be the most ideal scenario. Um, you know, it, it all kind of depends on if they fall in love with him. And I think that was the theme of Josh McDaniels talking is we know we need to get a quarterback, but we have to fall in love with one if we're going to especially take one in number seven. Yeah, you don't want to just take one just for the sake of doing so. You want to make sure it's something that everybody's on board and believes in. Um, and that's, you know, I mean, it's, it's the wise way to go about it, obviously. And that, that strategy that you mentioned, because the – we have to keep in mind that while a quarterback is obviously their biggest need, they're a team with omni, you know, omnipresent needs. You know, it comes to offensive line, all three levels of the defense. Which positions on defense do they need to address? Everything. Everything except one edge rusher. Yeah, except, for, except for the right defensive end. And so um, you have to take multiple things into account when that's the case. Um, and, and, you know, if a guy that they want isn't there a seven that they think should go that high, there's no, you shouldn't force it um, and end up with a guy that you don't really believe in. And so um, I know that it's got to make – fans nervous though because you know you, you never really know how a draft board is going to fall what teams that are behind them now that could potentially leapfrog them and, and trade up and take somebody or they, they can think they're going to get a guy in the second round maybe he goes late first round you know and they're stuck with a situation where let's say they re-sign Jared, Jared Sinem and they come out of this with a guy they took in the fifth round or something like that like this <laughs> it's hard to get too excited about that and so that is, that is a possibility and there is some inherent risk with this path that, that it seems like they're going to take um, but you know it goes both ways. If they took took a swing on Aaron Rodgers, we'd be having you know other things to pick apart. So uh, there's going to be some risk at, at some point, but um, I, I think there's just preference in terms of their team building model is to have that young, cheap quarterback, build the roster around them, and then hopefully that quarterback by the time they they are up, you know, to to have one of those big deals. The roster is to the point where they can go and compete. You know, as we've seen with the Chiefs, um, as we'll we'll see with the what the Eagles just did with Jalen Hurts, and so that seems to be the path that they're trying to follow. You know, in terms of this week, expectations, what we're going to see out of the quarterbacks, uh, you know, we went into the week not knowing, as we sit here on Wednesday, that the quarterbacks are going to throw on, is that Saturday? Yeah, so they've, they've kind of moved around. The quarterbacks are later in the week. They don't talk until, I believe, Friday. Um, Bryce Young will not throw, but you know, the other top three guys, right, uh, C.J. Stroud, uh, Will Levis, and Anthony Richardson are all going to throw. Uh, Vic, you're going to be there. You're going to watch those guys. Uh 
I mean, it, it's it's, it's going to be a good opportunity to just kind of see, you know, some of those traits and, and what those guys look like. I'll be, like, tracking their footwork, looking for a hitch in their motion. I'll, I'll, I'll break it all down, let you know who we should pick. But I um, mean, if you got the, all that, why are you working here? I mean, That's a good point. That's a good point. But, um, I mean, Bryce Young, I thought, was always out of their range because I think he'll go probably one or two, probably one. So I just can't imagine you trade up that high. It's going to cost you so much in draft picks to get up to from one to, from seven to one. I, I, I also have a bad feeling C.J. Stroud's going to do well. I think he'll also probably go top three. You have a bad two. feeling that he's going to do well, oh, man. If you're a Raiders fan, you want T.J. Stroud. I think he's going to go top two or three now. So I think that's also going to be a lot of capital to get up that high. So you look at the other guys. You want the other guys and get a look at those guys, see if you can find your guy, the right match. Uh, it'll be interesting. I just think, um, like I said, they want to fall in love, but they're not really – they don't have to. I think if they, if they don't like these guys that much, they interviewed them last night. They sort of get to know these guys personally and, you know, get them on the board and draw some plays up. But um, – We'll talk about all these guys individually, but I just think that, um, yeah, we'll see what happens this, this weekend. But it's definitely it's, it's the next step in, in, this, uh, in this process. I think it's a little interesting because both of those guys, Richardson and Levis, um, they aren't really people that we have physical questions about. Mm-hmm. You know, they can throw the ball anywhere you need it to. They're, they're both big, strong, fast. It's more so the stuff that we're not going to get to see, which is those mediums that you referred to, you know, how are they able to process things mentally, their personality, their demeanor, those intangibles um, that you really can't see on the field. Um, that I think is going to be what ends up separating those players from each other and then just the quarterbacks and the rest of the draft class. And so, um, you know, obviously we're not going to find out what happened in those meetings bit by bit. We, don't, we, don't, we didn't have a, a bug in there, unfortunately. Damn. But um, I, I think both of those guys are going to test extremely well. Like they're going to, you know, yeah. have excellent performances and that will help their stock. But I think for both of them it's more so about the upstairs part of the equation. You know, and I know the buzz has started growing with Anthony Richardson. Um, Vic, you kind of wrote breaking down all the top seven quarterbacks, and um, I think it was Daniel Jeremiah said, like, there, there are teams that, that are starting to view him as maybe the second-best quarterback in this class. Uh, Tashawn, I know you've heard a lot of good things about him. What do we think of the, the buzz is there? Is you know, there, there was a thought at a time that, okay, number seven, he could be available. It sounded like seven might not be good enough to, uh, to, to be able to get a guy like Anthony Richardson. Yeah, I mean, he's, you know, 6'4", 230. If he ran a 40, he'd probably run like a 4'4", four, 4'5". Four, four, he can throw it 60 yards. I mean, this is a, a traits league. Uh, really, that's any position. Um, you know, that's, that's what gets NFL evaluators going, and he has all of them that you would want, from, again, from a physical perspective. And uh, But it's, you know, obviously he has he only had one year as a starter at, at Florida, um, didn't play that well. He's average at best in terms of his numbers, and he had a lot of variance in his game. You know, a lot of – you know, spots that where you're like, oh, he only he, he's the only player that can make that play. And then some others were like, what the hell are you doing? And so that, that dichotomy of figuring out which one is what you're going to get more of at the next level is, is, is the risky part. Um, but, you know, you can say the same thing about, about Levis, I would say. And so with him, I think, but with, with, with him having that unique blend of, you know, not just as a passer, but also as a runner. Um, you know, I'm not saying he's Lamar Jackson, but he's a guy that obviously you can work into the run game with zone reads and, options and things of that nature um, you know the, the ceiling I would say for him if it goes well is higher than anybody in his class at, at the quarterback position and there's a lot of teams that need a quarterback and you know they're, they're in front of the Raiders right now it's really just you know the Texans and the Colts as the obvious teams but who knows maybe the Lions try to draft him and sit him behind Jared Goff or the Seahawks depending on what happens uh, with Geno Smith maybe they start thinking about you know, he's 32 maybe they start thinking about their quarterback of the future or a team that's behind them like the Panthers moves up and so uh, you know, there's, there's really no guarantee that he's there at seven. Um, and so it'll be inter- interesting to see, not just for him, but, you know, whether if they like Levis more, whoever the quarterback is, do they explore? Is there a threshold for them of, you know, maybe we don't want to trade up to go to number one, 
But if we have to go to four or five or something or six um, and, and give up a little capital to make sure that we get the guy we want, um, I think that's something that they could, they, they could explore doing. And Vic, what I think the line was in this league, you're looking for lottery tickets. and He has the chance to be a jackpot, right? He does, and I think that's um, and it also goes both ways. He also has a chance to, to ruin it if you're a GM who drafts. Those two guys in particular, I think they're both very similar. But odds are both those guys aren't going to pan out. One's will likely be a bust based on the history of drafting quarterbacks. Yeah, I then, think generally 50% of yeah, first-round quarterbacks so work out. One of the GMs who picks one of those guys will get fired in three years. <laughs> so I messed up their risky run. And, again, that's why you do your homework, you do these interviews, and you, you believe in your coaching development system, your coaching your – with Josh McDaniels, you believe in, in your ability to get guy. And he has success with Mac Jones as a rookie. So uh, there's reason for some uh, positive thinking there. But uh, it's still a roll of the dice. And I think it's something and, – and ideally with the Raiders, you have the great supporting cast. you got, you know, Adams and Waller and Renfro. And it should be easier for these guys to come in and make some plays. But it's still, it's still a roll of the dice. And uh, that's why it's so fascinating. That's why it's just um, – Every year we go through this process, and this is the first time the Raiders are involved in it. Usually the other teams who are in it for the quarterbacks, but now the Raiders definitely need one, and they got to take a chance at some point. Um, in terms of if they go outside of the first round, you had a chance last week to talk with Hendon Hooker, did a little draft diary with him. What were just your impressions of getting a chance to chat with him and kind of get to know him a little bit? Yeah, I heard great things about him going in, and he really uh, is a very impressive dude. He definitely uh, he's got all kinds of degrees already, and he's definitely a guy who was a leader on his team, and uh towards ACL last year, missed the last few games, went to the Senior Bowl, helped out the coaching staff and was on the QB meetings, met with teams. I just think he's a very positive person. Uh, The concern with him is obviously you watch his film and Tennessee was so good offensively. I think they only had like three or four plays. So it's it's not like um, they all did well. So there wasn't a need for more plays. But if you're trying to project him to an NFL system, it's a little tough. And I think you have to rely on that he is very smart. Does seem to be able to, you know, and I'm sure the board work will be important for him this week as as well. But uh, it seems like he has all the right things you want in in a franchise quarterback. The smart, he's got the, he can throw the ball pretty much anywhere. Good foot, you know, good feet, good legs. So I think he's definitely very interesting as a guy who, if you don't want one of these top four or five guys and want to wait a little while, I'm not sure if he's going to go late first round, second round, where he's going to go because obviously he did tear his ACL. But um, a very fascinating prospect who I think teams are going to fall in love with and it'll be interesting to see where he goes. I mean, he he does line up with the the patience that the Raiders have because you don't expect that he's going to be able to start week one. I mean, he's got to have – the recovery time and you know yeah i'll be able to get into the playbook and all that but um it's going to be a ramp up of on-field time so he does line up with the patience aspect yeah and i think with him the most impressive thing because uh, he's not a guy he's not a, he's kind of the opposite of the other two guys he's not really a traits guy mm-hmm. um but he he protects the ball very well for his play style like he's pretty aggressive and pushing the ball down the field obviously he makes a lot of plays with his with his legs but he doesn't really throw interceptions or fumble um, and, and so he finds a way to be explosive while minimizing, you know, obviously giving t- the ball to the other team. And, um, you know, he's, like, like Vic said, he seems to be a very intelligent guy, level-headed guy. Um, and, and we've seen quarterbacks that maybe don't have those elite physical tools, but they have that mental side. And again, Jalen Hurts is a great example of that. Like he's maybe 6'1". Um, he's built like, a, you know, built like a house, and he has decent speed, and he has an okay arm, but none, nothing that really jumps out at you. And he – if he didn't get hurt this year, he probably would have been the MVP or, or, or you know, right there with Mahomes. And so um, it, it can pan out even if a guy, you know, doesn't light it up at the combine. Obviously, Hooker, since he's injured, he, he won't be, you know, testing here on the field. But uh, the concern is, you know, you know he, he, for me, it's, it's that he's 25 already. 
And, you know, let's say... Cause He's older than Josh Jacobs, right? Yeah, yeah. And so, because of his ACL and, um, you know, not wanting to throw him in the fire there if he don't have to, like, if he doesn't take his first snap or first start until he's 26, you know, and that's you still get the benefit of that, that rookie contract, but especially since he's not in the first round, you get, you have less team control. Um, that's mm-hmm. what we're seeing with Hurts now. That's why he's up for an extension. Um, and so what you get two or three years before you have to make a decision about whether you're going to extend him. So it is, a, it, like you said, it does kind of line up with the patient's appro- patient approach, but it also kind of shortens the timeline that they have to work there in terms of maximizing the window um, with having that rookie contract on the books. And so I think if they go that route, you know, while they're being patient, they also have to be pretty confident that this guy can hit the ground pretty much running. You know what I mean? When, whenever he does step on the field, that he's good to go and he can be the tier quarterback that they felt that they, they thought they needed when they moved on from Derek Carr. And so do they think that? I guess we'll see. Um, but I think that they have to make that determination to take him. I wonder if they do feel that way. If he is their, their guy, it turns out, do you try and trade into late first round to get mm-hmm. him to get the extra year? Might as well. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're picking second round is, is 38th. Yeah, 38. Yep. And so that's what? It's, six, not, a, it's six, not a huge lead yeah, to get Yeah, well, there's yeah. only 31 picks this year, but yeah. there's seven spots. But, you know, they have some extra draft capital. We expect next month for them to get a couple comp picks. And so they should have around 11, 12 picks to work with. Um, and so, you know, I don't know how much it'll take to move into the end of the first round from 38. Probably not too much. And so if they really are that high on them. You might as well get that extra year of team control, especially yeah. since you think with his injury, like he's there's no way he's going to play this full season, and he might miss. You know, guys bounce back quickly from ACLs now, but you know there can be some some setbacks, and so he's, you might. He lose says he'll be ready by training camp. He'll be 100 percent by training camp, ready to go. He just got cleared. Uh, actually, this not probably today or the end of this week to be throwing off his uh, off his feet. He's been throwing on one knee now um, last few weeks, but uh, he's doing well in terms of his rehab, and he says he'll be 100 percent by by training camp. All right, let's quickly touch on the, the last two of that top seven quarterback range. Uh, Jake Hayner, uh, Tanner McKee, couple, you know, California guys, uh, right. Fresno State, Stanford. Uh, I, I don't know that Raider fans would be all that open to another Fresno State quarterback. Uh, is, there, is there PTSD there? Yeah, maybe, but I think it's different. I think he's not, he's not uh, Derek Carr. You hear the, the word often used him as gritty. Is it gritty? Yeah, that's not something you hear about Derek. Yeah, that's not Derek? That's not the word he was thrown around with Derek a lot. But, um, and I guess he has um, leadership skills and throws. He has some nice, nice games. It'll be much later in the draft. I, mean, I don't know if, mm-hmm. who knows the quarterbacks if he goes third, fourth, fifth round. But I mean, if you don't want to, you know, if you really want to focus on defense and you want to take a shot at a, a more of a developmental guy who can maybe back up for a year and kind of maybe have a chance to start next year, maybe Henry is your guy. McKee's living down a little further down the road. But I just think uh, it's an interesting option, I think, if you don't. If you, if you like him, he has, he has some skills. He has some definitely some traits you like. But um, if you want to just say first three rounds, you know, defense and fourth round quarterback, maybe that's the way you go. Yeah, I, I would just make sure they get one of the, the other five guys. <laughs> Once you get down to that point, I think, I think we're in a little funky territory where Jared Siddham's your, your starter all the way through next season. Come on, right. every, everybody's looking for the next Brock Purdy. It's all about the next Brock Purdy. Got to have a 49ers roster to do that. Yeah. Um, all right, let's, let's, let's talk about – defense and when we talk about the number seven pick uh, the news of the day kind of just dominating the the, the room here is Jalen Carter um, arrest warrant issued uh, for uh, two misdemeanor charges and, and you know related to the uh, the car crash that uh, that killed one of his teammates and a, and a sports staff member there at Georgia and, and you know there's not a whole lot we can say in terms of what the impact of that is going to be I mean because that doesn't really matter it's it's the fact that um, 
we're going to learn more in time about his involvement in, in a very serious situation, um, and, and we'll just see. But they, it, it obviously will have some kind of impact on the draft, um, and we're just going to have to to really monitor that. It's it's you know I I, I just you don't really know kind of how how to put it in context, but it's it's going to be something that is is suddenly dominated the conversation here in Indy and is going to dominate the conversation up until the draft. Yeah, he's arguably the best player in his cl- in his class, and I think Dame Brugler in his latest rankings had him number one, if, if I'm not mistaken. And so, um, obviously, we have to see what happens with the legal process. You know, I guess theoretically he could be cleared by the draft, but that, if that's still ongoing, that's obviously something that I would imagine teams would be reticent about making the moves if that's still you know a, a potential issue. And so, uh, we have to wait and see more with that. But um, you know, it could change the pecking order of. As it is, a lot a lot of us expect the Bears to trade down from number one, and so the first team that probably realistically would draft a defensive player is the Cardinals at number three right now, um, and they need defensive line help, so it was assumed by most that's going to be Jalen Carter or Will Anderson there. Maybe now it's Will Anderson, um, and then we kind of see what happens in those those next couple spots. Obviously, if there's, if there's some more trades, but um, it, it could alter which defensive players are there on the board for the Raiders at, if they stay at seven, let's say. And... I don't think it's like impossible to say that Jalen Carter could be there at seven. And so for them, what if there's a situation where there's a quarterback um, and he's there with that issue? Is that something that you consider doing given there? If we, we were talking about that patient approach of if they're aiming to draft, let's say, Hendon Hooker at the end of the first round or one of the other two quarterbacks later in the draft, the best defensive player in the draft is right there. But obviously there's a ton of risk with that. And so I don't you know. I can't. Uh, who knows where that situation is going to be, you know, in April. So we'll see what happens. But, um, you know, they, they, need, they need help everywhere. Um, Max Crosby was really their only impact defensive player all last season that was healthy really and upright the whole year. Um, so they don't have to go defensive line. They could, obviously not taking a linebacker that high. But uh, cornerback um, is a pretty deep cornerback group. That's the – when we talked to Dave Ziegler um, yesterday, that was the group that he really pointed out as being the deepest um, and one of the strongest on the defensive side of the ball. <coughs> Um, and so they could go defense and not go defensive line, but um, it, I think that just could be an interesting situation if he ends up being there at seven and they, and they kind of have to make a, a judgment call on it. That'd be an impossible situation. If he's at seven, um, based on the nature of, and we'll see what happens with the legal stuff, but based on the nature of his legal issues right now and the Raiders' history with similar legal issues. Untouchable, I think. You can't, you can't, and he, but the, and he's, so you can't, you can't take him, I don't think, but he's so freaking good. I mean, you watch him on tape, he would answer most of their issues right away. He's an instant impact guy. He can come in. He takes two guys to block him. Even they can't block him. He can stop the run and push the pocket. I mean, his tape is, is freakish. I mean, I mean, I love the guy on tape, and we'll see what happens with his legal stuff. But he is going to slide, I think, and who knows how far. But, man, that would be a rough spot for them because you can't – he would be exactly what you need, and you can't do it. I think I wonder, though, with that – because somebody's going to take him. He ain't, you know, going undrafted unless, yeah. oh, no. unless, unless yeah. he gets, you know, convicted or something of that nature. But um, I, what we're referring to here is, of course, Henry Ruggs, uh, you know, former first-round pick who, um, you know, was drunk driving and basically killed a woman, you know, um, you know because of a car crash in Vegas. Uh, and, you know, but they, you know, being frank, like they didn't draft Henry Ruggs. Yeah. You know, that wasn't their decision. And so that's – while it's part of the Raiders' history um, – you know, with with this new regime, I mean, at some point there's going to be guys with character concerns, and maybe they had DUIs in the past and things of that nature that that get drafted. And it's like, if if 
he's just such a talent that I, at a certain point I think there's a threshold with it, maybe since it's so recent. Um, but I think since, especially since they didn't, they're not the people that made that pick, I wonder if that changes the perspective at all on, on how that, that goes over. I wouldn't think so because I think Mark Davis would definitely be involved mm-hmm. at that point. I just think they are still kind of new to the community in Vegas. I think that was such a huge uh, event there. I think a lot of uh, non-Raider fans, people who live in Vegas, still hold that against the team. I just don't think – I mean, you're right. At some point, there will be a threshold. There will be you know, put in the past a little bit. But I just think it's too soon. I just, and, again, we'll see what happens with this case. I don't want to, like, rush any assumptions. But based on the nature of it, I just think you can't even touch it. I don't think you can – the Raiders. I think you have to just, you know what, he's exactly what we need. He's an incredible player, but we got, we got to go somewhere else. Yeah, because 24 hours ago, if, if you tell Dave Ziegler or Josh McDaniels that Jalen Carter is sitting there at 7, they are doing cartwheels yeah, up and down the facility and, and, and racing it's to a, take it's him. It's a no-brainer, but I mean, and again, we'll see what happens with the legal stuff, but I just think that, um, I just think it's too, it's too fresh. I think it's just, uh, it's still kind of a thing that they deal with in Vegas. And Mark Davis especially, when he's out in the community, I think Something he definitely still apologizes for. So, yeah, those other defensive players that could be there at seven, since we're going down this path: um, Clemson defensive end Miles um, Murphy, um, Texas Tech, you know, edge player Tyree Wilson. Um, if they go corner, there's Christian Gonzalez from Oregon. Uh, Devin Witherspoon is rising up the board from Illinois. Uh, there's a few other corners in the mix. Um, you know, they, so there's, there's going to be. A, a collection of probably four to five players that you could justify taking on the defensive side of the ball at number seven. Um, and so it, it'll be interesting to see if they – part of this will depend, obviously, on, on what, what they come away with from free agency. Like if they make a big splash for a defensive tackle or something or edge rusher, then maybe, you know, that's probably out the question. Um, but, you know, uh, it's, it's sort of – I, I don't really have a preference in terms of – I think both ways is fine. Like if you get your quarterback there and address defense later or if you take defense there and, and address quarterback later. But, Vic, do you have – if let's say you had – Let's, let's, put, let's put uh, Carter to the side. Let's say you have right. a, a player, a defensive player that you have rated the same as whoever the best quarterback is available. Which which way would you go? I mean, I was going to ask you about Murphy and and uh, and Wilson. I'm not I'm not super high on those guys. I don't know what you think, but I think they're both good players. But I'm not mm-hmm. sure they're impact guys at seven. I can plug in and say, okay, I got a I got a stud. So I would uh, I might lean towards trading down at that point if I don't have the guy I want there. So um. Or the the cornerbacks, I think, are very, very good. I like a lot of the cornerbacks in this draft. But, again, I'm not sure I have to get one at seven. So, I think in, in my stance, if the QBI one's not there, I don't want to trade up to four or five, whatever, I would probably trade back. I would probably trade back and, and uh, get more picks and get a guy. I mean, I don't know who the top three or four corners are like in terms of my rankings, but they're all pretty close together. But I could probably get a third corner later in the draft and feel pretty good about it. Yeah, for me, like, obviously – Anthony Richardson's there. I'm taking him. Everybody right. knows. Anybody's right. following me. Uh, so that would be my choice. If he's wearing, wearing a jersey right now. Yeah, yeah. I have, I have on a 15 yeah. Florida jersey, you know. Um, no, but if, if let's say if it's Will Levis there, I'm going to trade back and just take the best defensive player I can in the teams and get quarterback later, you know, whether it's trading back in the first round and getting Henry Hooker or something. But I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not sold on him. And the good thing is that you probably will have teams who want to trade up for Levis or for Jalen Carter. I mean, it might be a popular spot to move up to to get the guy you want if you want a quarterback or – or impact on defense. So it might be a good spot for them to trade back and get some capital. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Just to close the loop on Jalen Carter a little bit here, uh, as we've been recording, he released a statement right now uh, that says, This morning I received a telephone call from the Athens, Georgia Police Department informing me that two misdemeanor warrants have been issued against me for reckless driving and racing. Numerous media reports have also circulated this morning containing inaccurate information concerning the tragic events of January 15, 2023. It is my intention to return to Athens to answer the misdemeanor charges against me and to make certain that the complete and accurate truth is presented. There is no question in my mind that when all of the facts are known, that I will be fully exonerated of any criminal wrongdoing. That is from Jalen Carter. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens, but uh, we, we will get his, uh, his word out there. And, and you know, we, you don't know what the truth is until, uh, until things are settled, and so uh, we'll, we'll see there. But um, on to a few other topics. Um, Jeff Howe, uh, in, in a big combine notebook this morning, uh, reported that uh, the Raiders – no, no plans uh, to move on this offseason from Chandler Jones, which I don't think we, you know, financially, salary cap wise, ever really e- e- expected. Yeah. Um, it's not a hot market for Chandler, not a hot no, trade market. No. Uh, it, but Darren Waller as well. Uh, we had we've talked and you know wondered like, you know, the Raiders have fielded fairly serious, pretty serious trade t- calls for him previously. We know the Packers have been interested multiple times, um, but uh, Jeff reported that they they do not plan to move away from him in this offseason and. Uh, when you consider the weapons that they have, if they're bringing in a new quarterback, I mean, if you're if you are drafting a rookie quarterback that you are expecting to be your starter, having Devontae Adams, Darren Waller, and Hunter Renfro, and we'll see about Josh Jacobs. Uh, we'll talk about him in a little bit, but um, ha- having those guys is is a pretty good way to start. Yeah, I think them, you know, not moving on from either of those players makes sense. A lo- partly, honestly, because even Darren Waller, like he's been injured for two seasons in a row. He's on the other side of 30 now. Um, we haven't really seen him be that dynamic player since 2020. Um, and so I imagine his market isn't great. I'm sure there's interest, but the, the returns of, let's say, if you got, I don't know, a day three pick or day two pick for Darren Waller versus the upside of him, be, like I said, being within that offense with whoever your quarterback is. Obviously, he, he raises the ceiling if he's healthy and out there. It just may not be worth it. And then Chandler Jones, like, you know, nobody's trading for that contract. So if they wanted to, they – so, like, nobody's, nobody's doing that anyway. And so uh, I don't think either one of those are, are too shocking. Um, and, you know, they don't really with, – with where they are in terms of cap space, right now they're, they're about $48 million. Um, they can create 
anywhere from probably 15 to 20 million more from roster moves to restructuring contracts. They're in a pretty healthy cap situation this year and then next year as well. You know, they're well over $100 million in space. And so this isn't really the year where they have to start. I know they obviously cut Derek Carr and saved a lot of money. Um, They don't have to start, you know, moving in that way um, to like get, get, you know, they're not an over the cap team that needs to, you know, work magic. So uh, it, it makes sense on both sides, in my opinion. I mean, and think of the guy like Waller as a tight end. I mean, the tight end market, yeah, I mean, he's, he's up there among tight ends, but the tight end market is so much smaller than the receiver market that you can have a, a, a top-of-the-line tight end and you're still making less than Hunter Renfro. Yeah, and he's also making a lot of money. That's the other part of it. He yeah. already got his extension. Um, that's paying him, what, $15, 14 $15 million yeah. a year. Uh, not, not much of it is guaranteed, but... Still, um, and if you're trading draft capital for him, you're going to be committing to him at least, you know, for a year or two. And so, uh, and obviously Chandler Jones just wasn't good enough last year to justify trading for that contract. And so, um, I, like you said, I, I, just, I don't imagine there'd be much, much interest. Um, I would say much interest, but significant enough interest for moving on from either one of them to be worth it. Vic, Vic likes the Chandler Jones stiff arm. You're, you're, you're yeah. pretty, pretty high on that. Yeah, a, Maybe a, big, a position change? Big time move, man. Running back. Patriots can bring him in. Uh, they, they saw what he did to, to Mac Jones. I don't, I don't know if, uh, if Mac Jones would, uh, would, would welcome him back to, to and, England. And, and all, all jokes aside, I think Chandler definitely was a, a positive force in the locker room. He definitely was a leader last year, helped him through some tough times. I think he came on towards the end of the year, played a little better. I'm not sure what happened first part of the year. I, I don't think he's totally washed up. So I think he's definitely uh, it's a good mix of him and that. And he, he, you brought him in for a reason, and that's still still valid. So he's not the guy you probably want impact-wise, but he still can be a piece to a puzzle on a defense that uh, we hope it gets better in the next two years. And we also have to keep in mind he's injured. I mean, yeah. he didn't finish yeah. the season because he had a very serious elbow injury. Um, and so I don't, you know, I, I, we don't know the timeline for his return right now, and so I would, I would also imagine teams aren't trying to trade for an expensive, older, injured pass rusher. If you, do, if you draft a pass rusher at some point in this draft, and be he's a good guy to learn from, if you can definitely be a guy who can come in and, and spot Chandler and, and learn some, from one of the best to ever, ever do it. All right, we sit here on March 1st. We are six days away from the franchise tag deadline. Uh, no decision <sighs> Fuck, has, really? been, has been made or announced as of yet on, uh, <laughs> on Josh Jacobs. Uh, but the decision has to be coming. I mean, uh, I think my thought is that you, you want to try to sign him to an extension, but at least go ahead and tag him to uh, to, to kind of give you extra time to work you know work on that and kind of make sure you you have him but it's it's hard to say i mean i mean running backs are are a position where t- teams generally don't invest a ton um, but usually if a running back is going to get a contract it tends to be from their original team yeah i think you got to tag him I, I can't see giving him a long term deal but i mean they might but to me, again, we talk about the whole you know, trajectory and what you're trying to do as a team. Uh, if you're not in a win-now mode, I, just, I think you just take it one year at a time. I think you can – obviously, he played great last year. He was uh, – yeah, exceeded expectations by tenfold, and it's definitely an important piece of this puzzle. But I just don't know locking up a running back long-term makes a lot of sense right now. Yeah, I'm on the opposite side. I, th- I think they should extend him. Um, you know, salary reasons, like – Salary cap reasons, like, it's, it's pretty easy for them to make it work without really hamstringing them in future years or this year um, with an extension, and it could be a shorter-term deal. Um, obviously, he's an elite running back. He's young, um, younger than you would probably expect for the amount of years that he's played. Um, he was able to stay upright this season throughout the whole year. And also, I think there's, there's a certain element of how much he contributes to the team culture, how big of a local, locker room guy he is that 
I think it would send a pretty bad – obviously letting him walk should be completely off the table. I think yeah. that would just send a, a terrible message to the rest of the locker room. But even if, like – because the way he framed it is, you know, he's t- cool being tagged, but only if they build up the rest of the roster. And if they tag him and then, you know – Jared Sidham's the quarterback. Yeah, some quarterbacks like, all right, well, pissing off Josh Jacobs for what? You know, uh, having him, you know, kind of irritated. And so – I think there's more benefits to doing it than, than risks. I know that's kind of um, unpopular with how we view the running back position, um, but that's just my take. But, you know, it's certainly possible to just go ahead and, and tag them. Obviously, time is getting short here to make a decision, but it's also important to keep in mind that it's not necessarily a final decision if they tag them. Right. Uh, they, could, they could work out an extension later if they're able to agree to a number. Um, tag and trade, too. Yeah, or they could tag and trade them um, if things do get bad. But, again, I think that would, that would be a – a pretty poor move from them, um, from a from a team standpoint in terms of the, the off the field stuff, I guess you could say. Um, but you know, it, I, if I had to weigh which one is more likely, it feels like tag is is more likely, and then we'll see what happens. You know, from there. You know, in terms of a contract, if they were to work out an extension, uh, the the kind of the negotiating point would be based on what are two years of a franchise tag worth. That would be two years, twenty two point one million. So. That's, you know, if you're the Raiders, you're like, I'm not giving you more than $22 million in the next two years, probably, because, like, that's, I could just tag you both times, and, and that's what I'm paying. Uh, I could see something like, or the Raiders, let's call it a four-year, $60 million contract. It's $15 million AAV. You're top of the running back market or near the top, a little bit below McCaffrey. Um, but it's, it's really, it's those first two years of $22 million are the guaranteed. And, you know, mm-hmm. the, like, the AAVs are so crazy with all these deals because it's like they literally just, Teams just okay. I'll give you fifty million non-guaranteed in the last year, and suddenly that bumps up the AAV. Um, but I mean, they could they could do something like that where those last two years are non-guaranteed, and it really is a two-year, twenty-two million dollar deal. But you get to, the agent gets to call it a four-year, sixty million dollar deal. Yeah, and that's essentially what I pitched in that story. Um, and he would make more than with the contract structure that way. I, I'm sure he would he he would pocket more than twenty-two million. That's just what yeah. would be guaranteed. Um, but they have they have plenty of money this year and next year, so like that extra salary is really not going to do that much um, to hurt them. And you know, once you get to that point, let's say after two years, if he still looks like what he looked like this year, um, then you have him in a team friendly deal that you can you could restructure and negotiate from there and, and go. Or if he's not, and it turns out we were wrong, and or or, or you know, analytics were right and running backs don't matter, and he falls off a cliff, then you can cut him for nothing and move on, and it's all good. And so. I think that's a, a, a relatively low risk um, path forward for them. Again, they have well over a hundred million dollars in cash space next year. Like, especially if they draft a quarterback, I don't know where they're gonna spend. All, I mean, obviously, defense is you yeah. know they spend a lot there, but um, you know I, I just you know taking care of so many other people on the offensive side of the ball. Darren Waller, despite being injured and way older than Josh Jacobs, Hunter Renfro, um, obviously Devontae Adams making a big deal. Uh, Colton Miller's tied up, and so. They've leaned. I don't know if they do the Miller deal, but they've they seem to be okay with committing to guys, even if they didn't draft them. Um, if they show them a certain level of play, and I think Jacobs did that this past season. You know, what are our thoughts in terms of you know? Some, let's get a little bit into free agency here. Are there any free agents that that we look at that that we really like them to use all that money they have on? I mean, we know they should improve their offensive line. Uh, I mean, hey, maybe they need a right tackle. Go, uh, go, uh, get get back at Rod Woodson, and and you get Mike McGlinchey, and now you have both Colton Miller and Mike McGlinchey. Wow, that's a that's a nice dream. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure McGlinchey's all that, but uh, it's funny. But um, I don't know. I just think um, I wouldn't probably go for the not the big splash guys. I'd probably get like a handful of guys in that middle range. I think they need so much. 
on defense. That was just trying to find five guys who fit the mold of tough guys who are going to not miss games, make some plays. I think you can find those guys in the, in the middle range. So I don't really have any huge, I mean, splash. Type. The only splash guy I would see if you want to cheer Jalen Ramsey. That's a unique case, but uh, even that seems like a hot lot to do. So I might go with the safer and more calmer approach. Deshaun, who you got? Yeah, I think one that makes sense in terms of a position that's been in flux with them would be right tackle. Um, just because they've, they've tried to draft there and it didn't work out, obviously, with Alex Leatherwood and they had a lot of rotation there last year. I know J- Jermaine Illuminor kind of settled in and played okay, but I think there's a lot of room for upside there to go and make an improvement. And Caleb McGarry on the Falcons um, right tackle is probably the, the best one on the market um, that would cost a pretty penny um, to try to go get. Um, in terms of some some uh, smaller moves, like Vic said, I think the def- defensive side of the ball, that, that's probably their best approach to try to build out and get some more solid starters, which is it's a very low f- floor, but they need like a lot of those on that side of the ball because of how bad they are. And there's some guys like, you know, Cardinals defensive lineman, Zach Allen, who, you know, had a few sacks last year that he's not going to be crazy expensive or, um, you know, Patriots cornerback Jonathan Jones, who's a solid starter, but not going to be crazy expensive or, Giant safety, Julian Love, people like that. And so sort of those middle-tier players that they're not superstars, but they're good, solid NFL players, which, again, doesn't sound super exciting, but they had maybe two or three of those on defense last year. And so that would be a pretty big improvement for them. And so they want to build through the draft, but they can't draft starters at every position that they need. And so they're going to have to, you know, plug and play with some of those lower-tier signings. And and I think that's a better path forward than what they did last offseason with, you know, obviously the, the Jones contract and even, you know, the ball Nichols contract was, was fairly expensive. Um, and so I think they – a bunch of smaller bites at the apple and, and see what works out. I'm going to bring back I'm, – I'm pulling – I'm going through our list, uh, the Athletics' 100, top 150 free agents. Uh, two, two of the top nine are, are Raiders. Uh, Derek Carr is your number two free agent. And really, technically, he's number one because Lamar Jackson is our number one. and. I don't think Lamar Jackson can be a free agent, but uh, bring back Unique Ngakwe. Uh, uh, there, there is an old Raiders regime that would have signed Marcus Peters. Like I, I always pictured, one day Marcus Peters would finish his career as a Raider, and I still wouldn't be surprised if it, if it does happen. But especially if they were if they were in Oakland, I could uh, yeah. definitely see like a, an, an old regime bringing uh, Marcus Peters back and give, giving him a chance. And uh, you know, but I, uh, I, I don't think that's probably the best option yeah. at this point. No, probably not. I just think, uh, like I said, let's. Uh Draft some guys and fill the holes around those guys, I think, and just good guys. You need so many starters that I think it's just um, – you really can't go wrong. Yeah, but, I mean, those they're going to have to get some of those um, older – that's who's going to be in that tier money-wise, right. some of those older 30, maybe close to 30, over 30 veterans that, you know, maybe they're starting to slow down or they lost a step. Like, those are the kind of guys they're going to go get, you know, if they're not going to spend, you know, top dollar, which we don't think they will, and so – you know, like it might be a little scary whether it's Marcus Peters or James Bradbury who's going to be around 30 and, and looking for a, a sizable contract if you want to go to another tier of it or Jalen Ramsey who's getting closer to 30. But I can see Bradbury. Bradbury's got a connection with Patrick Graham, and I think mm-hmm. he definitely will be available. So, And I don't think it'll cost that much money. So it's a lot of negative uh, press recently. Um, <laughs> so. That wipes out his all-pro season, man. Yeah, probably, I'm not to me, but it does to many people. So I think it'll be a discount there. So yeah. I, he would not surprise me if he's a Raider next year. I know a lot of Raider fans I saw were, were pining after Jimmy Ward, the 49ers. Yeah. You know, he's a versatile guy. Uh, he wants to go back to safety, it seems like, but he's played nickel. He's played, I think, even a little bit of outside corner. Um, you know, safety is, is probably his best position, and that's, I mean, he's 
pretty much stated that's what he wants to get back to. But uh, wasn't he the guy that was celebrating how well he played in the, after the loss in the playoff game? Wasn't he the guy that went viral? Like was a player. I think it was him who was like, "I played well." I did good. Yeah. <laughs> we lost the game, but I did good. And I was, he was really happy. I was like, that's a little, a little odd. <laughs> that's not ideal. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah, it was the uh, once he found out that the that, that catch on the sideline, the, the, the A.J. Brown catch, was not really a catch. He's right. like, yeah, that wasn't a catch. I'm good. I had yeah, a great I, game. I, I played a great game. Like, I'm ready to go. I did my job. I did my job. All right, before we get out of here, we do want to talk a little bit about the news that you guys broke on, on Tuesday. Marcel Reese. No longer with the Raiders organization. He resigned sometime in the last couple of weeks. We don't have a ton more information about it at this point. Um, and, you know, it's not something that's going to affect the on-field product. He was not involved there uh, despite his wishes to, uh, to eventually get involved in the, uh, you know, on the personnel side. But um, it's, it's the exodus, man. We, we, keep, we keep seeing uh, all these guys leave the, uh, the Raiders' uh, business side of the organization, and, and Marcel's another one. It's pretty amazing of all the guys who are, you know, the top tiers of the, the front office um, when they moved to Vegas and behind the stadium, and kind of a, they're all gone. The only guy left is uh, weird. An organization moves to Vegas, and people just start just disappearing. disappearing like like Taking on drives to the desert, sending drives to the desert. <laughs> the only guy left is Tom Delaney, who's chained to a desk doing the salary cap stuff in the in the basement. But hey, I, saw, um, I saw he was. I saw him yesterday. He was unchained. I saw him yesterday. Also, he was unchained for a couple seconds, but usually he's in the basement. But um, I mean, I haven't talked to Marcel. I left messages with Marcel and Mark Davis. I'm sure we'll find out more later on, but. Uh, so I don't really know what happened, but yeah, definitely he's uh, a Raider for life. He's always said that. I'm sure he will be still. So we'll see what happens. But um, a little surprising based on all the hopes he had for his and Mark Davis as well. The hopes he had for his future role and either on the football side or on the business side or the community side. He was definitely a, a guy that had big plans for. Us, so we'll, we'll see what happens. It was very sudden. I mean, I just Pro Bowl. You know, last month, early early in the month, uh, you know, he was there at a, an event for the Black Coaches Coalition um, at Allegiant Stadium, and it was him and Sandra Douglas Morgan and a few other people on the business side of things, and everything seemed fine. And so something, obviously something happened to change, uh, you know, his position within the organization uh, for, for him to resign. And so we'll, we'll find out more um, here in the yeah. weeks and months to come. But um, definitely, you know, as close as he is with Mark Davis, uh, you know, obviously being a longtime Raiders player, somebody that fans love and, and you know, are high on, um, something that you wouldn't have expected. But it, it, it lines up with, you know, a lot of their C-suite turnover. I know it's, you know, fans probably don't pay too much attention to that stuff, but, you know, Mark Bedane uh, resigning and then Dan Ventrell, Dan Ventrell replacing him and then, you know, getting fired um, for what he alleged was reporting workplace misconduct to – a few of the other executives that resigned shortly after Bedane for accounting irregularities and now this. And so, I mean, and obviously hiring Sandra Douglas Morgan as a new team president. So there's a lot of shifting going on and, and it does uh, down the chain. It, what goes on on that side does end up affecting the football side because, you know, we talked about it. You know, they, they aren't the most cash flush organization and that's restricted them in free agency at, at times and, and, and re-signing players because they're not able to give out some of those signing bonuses. And so, yeah, they kind of need some business stuff to, you know, get a little stable and smooth and start making more money so they can start operating, you know, among the, the heavy heavy players in, in NFL franchises when it comes to some of these moves. And so uh, it's not something that's front of mind, but it, but it does matter. And um, they've been in, you know, it's hard to characterize it any other way than they've been in, in rough shape uh, for, since they moved to Vegas from that standpoint. You know, and it is surprising that we didn't have Mark come out and say anything yesterday as, as the news came out just because i mean vic you remember back in 2016 when after the ped uh suspension when he was eligible you know and they released him like 
it was a player who got released that we got a statement from the owner. Uh, right. You know, Marshall they, went to PFT. I was pissed off at Marshall because <laughs> I thought that should be my story. He went to PFT. I don't know what he got from him, but. Yeah, you're right. I mean, and Mark is kind of weird that Mark definitely picks his times to come out and times to hide and like Aaron Rodgers does go into the darkness for a while and not come out. But um, I'm sure we'll hear from Mark at some point. But um, that's funny because Deshaun said there's a lot of shifting going on. My ear heard a lot of shit going on. And there really is a lot of shit going on. We almost made it. We almost I was made just about it. to say we almost uh, made it through no. a whole podcast. It's like, the BNG last two rated. minutes, I, I man. Couldn't, couldn't do there? it, man. And there is a lot of shit going on. I have a feeling... We might get underneath it and, and unveil some of it. Uh, unveil, unveil some of it. Reveal it at some point. But um, <laughs> I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. I, lo- I lost my track of my thought. Anyway, there's a lot of shit going on. At some point, it'll come out. There you go. All right. Be- be- this is the last thing before we get out of here. Vic, I need you to squash a rumor. Tell oh, the Daniel Jones, my hot rumor? That one? Well, yeah, I mean, if you got that one too. But oh, no, I, no. I was going to add, everybody thinks that Mark Davis shaved his head. It is weird. I get these weird texts from people. Um, both no, that's just a with some gag photo. Like once you, when you have your your fucking style locked down like God, that, you're you don't here. change it. Like that's an iconic haircut. You don't you don't mess with that shit. That's just so we turn we, the, we turn the spout open yeah, and it's just there. And when they start winning, when they start winning, that'd be very popular do in Vegas. You'll see that all around town in Vegas when they start winning. No, you will not. You will. Yeah, no, you somebody will send not. me this edit. They think this is Josh. <laughs> Uh, is, that, uh, is, that, is that with your haircut? Yeah, I guess that's supposed to be my, my fresh line. And, uh, yeah, we got a lot of hair hair uh, uh, news here the last couple of days. But, yes, it's very, very clear Photoshop. Mark Davis still has this beautiful bowl cut that is the nice. best haircut in the world. He flies to Palm Springs get that done. Pr- I mean, so he has a, so his person in Palm Springs to do that special haircut for him. So, ain't going to change. All right, well, we are going to get out of here. We're going to get back. So, I got my, uh, my, my Daniel Jones. Yeah, okay, Daniel Jones. Yes, I, I got to spread that. I got to get the thing going. So, Daniel, would, I asked the Sean this earlier. Would you trade a first-round pick for Daniel Jones and a second-round pick? And he said, hell no. No. I think Daniel Jones is available. I'm just saying if he's not, if you don't get the one of the top guys you I want mean, in this draft. He wants $45 million a year. I give him 35 give him 30 So, let me get this trade. I'm not saying I want him. I'm just saying I think it's out there. I think it's a possibility. For who? For, for the world, for the, the Ra- and the Raiders, if they wanted Daniel Jones. So, so, so we we had this discussion like I mean, a week is ago. Daniel Jones better than Will Levis? No, um, it's not uh, the comparison I'm making here. I mean, we, we, for the money, especially when you consider the money you're going to pay. Well, the floor is a lot higher. I mean, Daniel Jones you kind of known come out. I mean, there's upside, and you know he's. I think he's solid. I'm, I'm, I'm just solid I'm, with Brian Dable. I don't know if he's solid I can't believe with anybody we're else. This conversation. We just we just talked. The last month, we've, you've been shitting on Aaron Rodgers, <laughs> a back-to-back MVP. Like, oh, I couldn't possibly give him a first-round pick. But an old fuck who's sitting in the dark for four days, and he's just uh, – uh, And yeah, Daniel I'm Jones? Not, I'm not saying Daniel I want to do it. I'm not saying I, I want to do, do it. I think you do. I'm saying – I'm putting it out there as a possible. Okay, okay, so Tashawn said no. Or Tashawn said hell no. I said no. Well, what I, do you? Th- I say no too, but I just want to put it out there. I'm just saying. <laughs> are you? I mean, I'm you, just. I want to create. Now? I'm, I'm creating <laughs> content, man. I'm creating some storylines. This is uh, slow. Right. Aggregators, it's been get a slow on couple this. Couple days, man. Daniel Aggregators, Jones, get on it. Let's Daniel Jones. I mean, you write it then. Nah, I don't want to write it, but I'll, I'll say it. I'll say, I'll say it on the podcast though. <laughs> I'll say it after we talk about Mark Davis's haircut for the last bit in the podcast. All yeah. right. All right, well, we are going to get back out of here. We're going to go uh, see what else we can find out, uh, what other trouble we can get into here in Indy. Wait, wait till Daniel Jones is the quarterback. I'll be like, aha, told you, motherfucker. I'm sorry. <laughs> cut, cut that part out. <laughs> All right, we'll, uh, we'll be back, uh, I'm sure, at some point during free agency to, uh, to, to introduce you to the newest Raiders, maybe get you prepared for free agency, probably have some kind of free agency preview, and uh, 
the the NFL season really never ends, right? This is uh, the way the, the the Super Bowl rolls right into the combine. I got, I got some right more crazy shit. You see, that talking about Raider fans being nuts. There's a Marcus Mariota thing trending now. That they want they want Mariota back. Raider fans, what's going on, Why? man? What's what's going on with this? Dude, Daniel Jones is better. Marcus Mariota, give me that. I'll give, I will give you that. Yes. Congratulations. I'm yes. giving you Daniel Jones over Marcus Mariota. There you go. We got to get out of here. We got to yeah. uh, We got to cut this, this guy is, this off. Is it. This is it. <laughs> All right. See you later. All right, Adios. Matthew Udon, who you know, has 14 and a half sacks. Dietrich Wise could rush yeah, from the inside. Udon noodles? Udon, sorry. <laughs> <laughs>